0: On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the Exalted, which is the great hymn that is sung or said at the very beginning of the Easter Vigil last night, which is a hymn of praise to the Paschal candle that is in this church today, and also it is a hymn that it proclaims the meaning of the resurrection, of what happens when Jesus rises from the tomb and what it means for us, its deep profoundness. And there is a particular line as it talks throughout the entirety of that Easter Vigil, but there's a particular line that exalted itself, which struck me this past week. On this night, that is, Easter night, Christ broke the prison bars of sin and death and rose glorious from the tomb. He broke the prison bars of death. Throughout the scriptures, especially throughout the Old Testament, Sin is often referred to in two ways, which are primarily taken out in even the Easter readings themselves. As slavery, which is a reality that in our modern context we no longer live with, thankfully. And so it's kind of hard for us to understand what that truly means. But then imprisonment as well. That we are imprisoned by sin, we are bound by it, put in shackles. And I think this is a reality that, while it's perhaps degrees of separation, Imprisonment is still a reality within our society today, and a rather tragic one, as there is oftentimes this tendency, which really, really helps us to see how sin works in our lives oftentimes, which is this, that oftentimes if you're imprisoned once, the likelihood that you'll be imprisoned again and again until you end up there for life increases. Imprisonment oftentimes does literally mean imprisonment for life And in the same way, whenever we talk about Jesus breaking the prison bars of death, sin is also that tragic, that fatal, that final, without Christ. Sin without Christ, without his suffering death and resurrection, is hopeless. We are dead in our sin unless Christ died for our sins and rose from the grave victorious unless he broke the prison bars of sin of death. We remain dead in our sins. We are confined by this life. And there's no hope of transcending it. It is only in Christ that that hope is brought to fruition. It is only in Jesus Christ, his suffering and his death that we have the hope of eternal life, which is ultimately what this day is about, resurrection. Resurrection from the dead. Christ doesn't rise from the dead just to show off, just to show us how powerful he is. But instead, he rises from the dead to show us, to show us what is our destiny for those who have been baptized to his death and then also promised his resurrection. With this day, he gives each of us a pledge, a promise, an inheritance, an inheritance of eternal life, that we shall receive a glorified form, a glorified body, as he does on this day. That each and every one of us who have been baptized into his death have also been given his resurrection. That he wants to give you eternal life. That he has broken your prison bars of sin and death. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its finality. It has lost its power. Even if we look at the first martyr, Saint Stephen, when he was stoned to death, it does not say that he died, but instead it says that he fell asleep. For the Christian, death is nothing more than sleep. It is a passing over from one side to another. Life is not ended, but changed. We receive an ever glo- more glorified existence that eye has ne- not seen nor ear has heard. The Lord wants to give us so much more in that eternity, for that is indeed what this day is about. Christ truly was resurrected, he truly did rise from the dead. On this day, he broke the prison bars of sin and death, so that death no longer reigns, and those who believe in him and are baptized in him. And you see in this is also the promise of our our baptismal promises that we will make in a few moments. We will renew our baptismal promises, a reminder that perhaps those promises that were made on our behalf by our parents and our godparents, but nonetheless we renew them to remind ourselves of the pledge of the promises that we made to him and that in keeping those promises by his grace, he then gives us eternal life. For if Christ is not raised from the dead, our faith is pointless. Our gathering here is pointless, it's meaningless, unless he truly broke the prison bars of death. And so it is indeed with the perspective of eternity that we must look to on this day, towards heaven, towards the resurrection of the dead, which we proclaim in the creed week after week. But then there's also an immediacy to this, because it's not just about eternity, Christ's resurrection has relevance for you today, has relevance for you in this moment and in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Because there are parts of ourselves, parts of our heart, of our souls that seem to us to be dead. There are parts of our lives, sin, habits, vices, which lead us to believe that we're dead a struggle with the dark side of the internet, a struggle with uncouth language using the Lord's name in vain, a struggle to keep faithful to our promises and the faith, a struggle to you know, not speak, or, to, or our struggle with forgiveness, an inability to forgive. Each of us have those parts of ourselves that feel dead we've struggled with for years. And it seems to us that it will never be resurrected. It seems as though it's hopeless. We've tried again and again and again, and again and again, we have failed. We have fallen short. And we come to believe that God must not want to resurrect those parts of our hearts. He must not be able to do it, or he doesn't care enough too. But that is a lie of the evil one. And that is a lie that Christ wants to put to death on this day. Whatever that part of your heart, your soul is, that feels dead in sin, any of those things I just mentioned or whatever came to mind in your own heart, he wants to resurrect on this day. As you make your baptismal promises today, renew those, I want to invite you to invite him in, to invite him to take those upon himself. Because it also states in the prayers at the beginning of the Easter Vigil, as this candle is blessed, that by his wounds we have been healed. By his wounds, he has crucified our sin, our struggle, our pain. And so if you bring those parts of your heart that appear to be dead, seem to you to be dead, he will bring them to life once again. He will resurrect them. He will heal them. Now, that means you have to offer them to him. You have to be willing to go in your life in a different way. But he does desire that for you. He wants to give you a future full of goodness, of hope. He wants to resurrect our hearts in the here and now. Yes, in eternity, of course. But now. He wants to bring you to life in him. He came so that we might have life and have it to the full. So in your baptismal promises, bring that to him. And then also as you approach Holy Communion, we receive Christ crucified and risen. Ask him to help heal those parts of your heart, to resurrect them, to bring them to life, that have fallen in to sin and to bad habits and to vice. And he will do so in his time. Trust in him day after day, and you will one day see the miracle happen. I promise you. I've seen it in so many people's lives. I've seen it in my own life. So take heart, because on this day, he desires to resurrect every single aspect of your life. He desires to fill your life with joy, with peace, with goodness. And he desires in that peace, that goodness, that joy, to then help you to hope ever more fully in eternal life, in which we will receive the glorious pledge of resurrection, because Christ has broken the prison bars of sin and death. And then if, you, then if we will please stand, we'll have the blessing of the water and renewal of our baptismal promises. Dear brothers and sisters, let us humbly beseech the Lord our God to bless this water he has created, which he sprinkled upon us as a memorial of our baptism. May he graciously renew us, that we may remain faithful to the Spirit whom we have received. Lord our God, in your mercy, be present to your people who keep, who keep this most sacred day. And for us who recall the wondrous work of our creation and still greater work of our redemption, graciously bless this water. For you created water to make the fields fruitful and to refresh and cleanse our bodies. You also made the water the instrument of your mercy. For through water you freed your people from slavery and quenched their thirst in the desert. Through water the prophets proclaimed the new covenant you were to enter upon with the human race. And last of all, through water, which Christ made holy in the Jordan, you have renewed our corrupted nature and the bath of regeneration. Therefore, may this water be for us a memorial of the baptism we have received and grant that we may share in the gladness of our brothers and sisters who at Easter have received their baptism through Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear brethren, through the Paschal mystery of have been buried with Christ in baptism, so we may walk with him in newness of life. And so now that our Lenten observance is concluded, let us renew the promises of holy baptism, by which we once renounced Satan,